Georgia for school. I came here and studied architecture studio art and that's when I discovered that I was an artist, really a really good one, and I developed my career off of it. Mm. 
I love it. I love it. And I know that you were tuning in previously, and we always talk a little bit about a goal moment. And a goal moment is when thought and execution come together. So when you decided to take that step to become an artist, was it something that you thought about and then moved on, or did you intend to talk yourself out of what was in your mind at first before you made your move? Well, originally, well, I want to, let me just clarify it. So I always knew I was an artist. Like I went to perform Detroit School of Performing Arts. I always could draw. And it wasn't until like I really contemplated. I'm like, well, this is not where I want to do. I don't want to do business. And I was sitting, I was thinking, okay, do I want to change my my major to architecture? What could I do? Let's say I did change it to just art. Would I just become an art teacher? And so it was going down to my senior year of school, and unfortunately the NASA program had closed at that time, so I didn't know what I was going to do once I graduate. So I took, uh-huh. painting, I took a painting class, and I was like, wow, I'm really good at this. And people were like, oh, wow, your, your, your details are really amazing. Like, you can really go somewhere with it. So I took it. I decided to pick up a client or two. They invested in me and they believed in me. And one client was another. It was like every time I did one, I would get five more. And I was like, okay, this could be a career. Like I could do this. And I just oh. took it in. I ran. I ran fast. I could go and take it. <laughs> he said, "You ain't gotta tell me twice. I'm moving." I, okay, where we where we where we going? I know that's right. And so, who was your biggest support system along the way? Um, I would have to say my mother, she and my aunt was major supporters, like always introducing me to the new people, even when I felt like I was really low and I didn't think that I could do it. Cause, I mean, when starting the business, we all have our, like our great moments. It's not going to be uh-huh. 100% successful. Like it was, a, it was a dark year for a point in time where I, I wasn't getting no clients, but I stopped working and just I just stayed focused on, like, my goal and my vision. And my mother, she basically told me, don't stop, don't give up. Like, you stay focused on this. If this is what you want to do, then you got to go full throttle. So my mm-hmm. biggest support was with my mother, and then it became my aunt and then my fans. Everyone just keep pushing me and pushing me and never tell me to give up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, Kaylon. This is Tony. You know, a lot of people may be listening right now, and maybe like like we said, those goal moments we don't actually speak to ourselves. But some people that may be listening right about now and may be stuck in something that they don't even know they're stuck in, and like you, you're not doing what you necessarily started out doing. Can you share with them some hurdles that it took for you to? if there were hurdles, to get to this point where, where you're happy doing what you're doing and to, to not give up? Um, well, there's always going to be hurdles. I I personally feel, especially when it, a career like this, um, it becomes times where it becomes very tedious and tiring. And anyone that's an artist, it's not like you can get you can hire on a team of people to make your art. Like, if you're a singer, mm-hmm. you can't hire on people to sing for you. If you're a dancer, you can't hire on people to dance for you. Like, oh. so as a painter, it got really hard at a point in time, especially during COVID, where it became overwhelming 
because I had so many people asking me to do some art at one time that mm-hmm. I didn't think that I could do it all. And I, mm-hmm. I felt a lot of pressure on me. And that was that's a, a really recent hurdle because I didn't I I was ready to give up because I didn't I it's, I'm telling you, it's only me, and so when it's mm-hmm. only you and your back is against the wall and you have so many people depending on you, you can sometimes crawl into like a hole of fear. But just recently, I broke out of it, and it's okay. It's okay to feel like you know you're overwhelmed, and it's okay to go through everything that you go through with all these mixed emotions because again. Like, your craft is your baby. So you want to protect it. You want to protect your energy because only what you produce, like, if you have good energy, then you can only produce the best of it. So uh-huh. just keep your spirits up high, believe in God, and, you know, surround yourself around warm energy and everyone that believes in you as well. And sometimes uh-huh. you can take a, a moment to yourself and really just isolate yourself, get yourself into a point where you you need to like stay focused and just tune into only your craft, and you'll make it through it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, that you and said I'm glad you that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, T. I'm glad that you mentioned okay. that because a lot of times, you know, when you have a vision, um, people want to call it a hobby, and it, it doesn't. It's that's not what it is, and so you do have to stand. Ten toes in it. You have to stand ten toes in your vision, um, because sometimes when you're on that road, you're the only one. You know, mm-hmm. you're the only one at some point in time. And if you don't protect it, nobody else is going to protect it. They have to see like, oh, he's he's real about this. Have you uh, tell us about um, just a time where it was that difficult moment? In your, in your, in your past, but, um, and you could sometimes you can't see your footsteps. So I want you to tell us about a time where you had to literally pull yourself through. Um. Okay. So I say about a year ago. Oh, like I said, I had a dark year. Uh, I was extremely ready to give up. I was sad. It was showing into my work. I was depressed for a second. I didn't know exactly when my next client was going to come. I I didn't know what what was what. I didn't know left from right, honestly. And mm-hmm. I continued to pray. I continued to you know, push myself and promote it and try to figure out what was the next big thing that I could possibly do, looking for some type of way I can get attention just so mm-hmm. I could get clients. Because when they come, they come. But when, when it's slow, it's very slow. But I just, I just honestly, I kept telling myself, like, you know, it's going to be a better day tomorrow, honestly. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the point where you you don't know when your next move is going to come from or you don't know when your next client is going to come, it it makes you get discouraged and you feel like you don't know if this is if this is it. Maybe I should just get, like, a regular job. But then always when I'm at a point where I feel like that or I feel like I just don't know what's going to happen next, I get a client, and then this client wants the biggest painting, or they want four big paintings, and that's about anywhere between two to four thousand dollars. So 
So I'm just like, wow, great. This is, this this sets me straight for the next two months, and I'm okay. But then uh-huh. you get more of those all hitting you at one time, and you're just like, okay, this has to slow down. Because then you go back into a way of feeling overwhelmed, and you're just like, I don't think I can do it again. So uh-huh. I say right now, I I'm I'm at a part I'm at a point where I'm able to find a balance. Like I had to get if I was organized before, I had to hire on a team so I could get even more organized. So uh-huh, I won't, uh-huh. like, distract. Honestly, I'm human. I make mistakes. Like, things things get confusing and difficult at one time. Like, you can't do everything by yourself. Like, it's uh-huh. not possible. You need a support system. You need a tree. Like, you need you need these branches and these leaves in order to be as beautiful as you are in your craft. So, yeah, uh-huh. I had that point. It was it was about last year, and I'm just now getting to a point where I'm okay. Like I'm just now recovering from something like that. Mhm. Kayla, can you share with our listening audience exactly what it is that you provide? So I am a artist, and I do custom paintings, portraits and abstract art of all sorts and all genres. I am a transition player artist. I'm able to merge all of the forms into one and create a whole new project that doesn't even have a name for it yet. Um, I am, (laughs) I'm able to place you into a genre and immortalize your image for practically forever. You will live on through my craft. You better talk. I love it. I know that's right. So when you start talking, it's like, well, you know, I do some paintings. You do a little bit more than some paintings, boy. You better go here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, what? Tell us what your vision looks like. Do you envision yourself in your own art gallery, or do you envision yourself in someone else's art gallery? Well. I've already been in other people's art galleries, and every time I step foot in there, I can't wait to. I always say, "Wow, I can't wait till I have my own stuff and I give like other people a chance, or the next kid, or the next boy, the next girl, the chance to to have their stuff in someone else's spot." So my mm-hmm. vision for myself is to one day open up a gallery dash sip and paint place where everyone would come enjoy themselves, look at my art, the next person's art, really vibe out, paint some pieces of your own, and sit back, drink something, and relax. Mm, that sounds relaxing, just listening to where you explain it. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Now, Kaylin, you know, since COVID, COVID has changed a lot for so many people. Um, yes. What has your pivot move, you know, been like since COVID? You know, everybody has to do a pivot. Even in life, we have to pivot, not just in business. And um, well, how has your pivot move been um, since this COVID started? Wow. Um, COVID has been... I want to say like a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. He said, because now people got (laughs) time. Listen, it's it's been bizarre. I will say that Um, outside of of my business, it really took me a step to really 
look at everything with the political climate, um, Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter, as far as every, how they're handling um, the coronavirus. It took me, it's a lot because all this is very emotional. Like you have people that are affected by the coronavirus. You're seeing the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, it's, Everything uh-huh. is going on. Then we have we have to sit here, and this is a time where you really need a leader or a president to really put his foot down uh-huh. and you know stop you know lollygagging and that actually put it into order. And then you don't have this like you you're just surrounded right now. And at this time, uh-huh. it really boils down to me because I feel with so many emotions. I should be at a point where I should be able to create as much as I want to. And then uh-huh. it's been it's because I have enough of the time. But then I have so many clients from the beginning of COVID, so many people at one time just stayed at home. So when you're stuck in your home and you're quarantining, you're looking around and you're just like, oh, wow, I want to change something about this place. Then I, that's when the storm of clients started to come. And it was it went from having, you know, probably like two to five clients a week to having a total of 57 clients at one time, and I did not know what to do. <laughs> I literally had to create a waiting list because if I literally say to so many people, if you did not make any money during quarantine and COVID, something is, something is crazy because this literally was the time for everybody to get on their hustle and really boil down and put their, like, you know, get down and dirty with whatever their vision is because you have nothing but time to think about whatever you have to invest into your craft. And honestly, it was a blessing that COVID because I was able to really boost myself up. I was able to save up money. I was able to really install into like myself and boil down to what I need to do for my future. And I loved it. I, I, I honestly don't have much bad to say about what these past, six to seven months that we've been going through. Mm-hmm. I know. A lot of people, you know, like you said, you, I hope people have used this time wisely. You know, Misha and I started off the show talking about that. But you as a person, do you feel that you have learned something mm. new about yourself during this pandemic shutdown that you didn't necessarily Definitely. know before that you even improved upon? I definitely, I definitely got a chance to really soul search and um, learn something new about myself. I'm actually very proud mm-hmm. of like the person I became. Honestly, COVID did change me in a lot of ways and how I think about certain situations and mm-hmm. you know how I maneuver. And I've, I I I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm really ecstatic for the the rest of the year. That I get to grow uh-huh. within. It, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's I'm lost for words. I'm when I come in, I think about myself and I think about the person that I was before COVID. I don't uh-huh. know that person. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know who that person is at all. I'm, I'm loving everything about me. I'm loving how I think about situations, how I handle I learned how to save. I, I learned how to be more responsible. It could, 
Uh-huh. When you're sitting and you just feel like all you have is yourself and your thoughts, when you're stuck in the house and you, you know, you're practicing social distancing and then you're thinking about everything, like, I didn't know how nasty people were as a whole, like, why we were not using hand sanitizer before, why we were not, <laughs> why was we not practicing these, these, these sneeze bars? Just like, your hands, right? Uh, yeah, like, I just, like, the little small stuff like that. I would never go to another birthday party again and allow somebody to blow in the cake. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> I'm just going to just look at you think of. Then you can blow in the cake and I'll say it. Like, I learned true. so much about myself during quarantine. And I've been through, through this process. It's like, I have learned so much about what we were going through as the, in the past and, you know, how do we handle situations? How do we go about, like, mm-hmm. you know, germs and then, like, growth? Like, I grew a lot, but during that process of growing, I also noticed, like, I was a little nasty. Like, back then I was eating cake that people were growing more. It's crazy. <laughs> that's a good No, we were good. Point. We would never do that again. <laughs> never. <laughs> I had not even thought like, of that one. Because if you think about Never. it, I think uh, COVID, every, there's a reset period. We all go through multiple reset periods in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reset period is where we, we have to decide in relationships we go through them more often. And in a relationship, you decide to either go reset together or reset apart. Um, but in mm-hmm. life, when you have to reset your own life, there's nowhere to go but either left or right. And so in yeah. that reset period, that's what I think is what COVID is. You had a reset period. It, re- it resets you. You were able to not see the past year as a dark year, but as saying, okay, I need to make some changes. And then God gave you the time to make those changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is so and true. isn't it empowering to, to say, and, and I hear it, we hear it in your voice, that you are a much better person and in a better place than you went into this pandemic? Yes, Lord, yes. It is. <laughs> so, you you don't empowering. even understand. Like, I, I walk past the mirror, I'm just like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, this, you're new to me. <laughs> who is this person? How long you been here? Where did you come from? <laughs> like, I'm I'm liking what you're wearing. I is. <laughs> it's a good feeling, and it's a good feeling uh-huh. not to recognize yourself because you're you're, you're mm-hmm. almost like who who because some people are like oh I don't I'm not liking who I'm becoming this and third when you're only growing in a positive direction you have no mm-hmm. choice but to like it you have no choice I because you're uh-huh. bettering yourself you're not doing anything negative you're not you're not wasting your time you're you're honestly right only growing so how could you not enjoy the person that you're growing to be uh-huh. you better talk that talk mr canaan absolutely <laughs> and normally when people say they don't like i don't like the person i am i don't like where i am that means like you said the energy around you sometimes it's people around you allowing their you are allowing their fear to stop you and prevent you from from growing where you need to grow and be um because it's satisfying to someone else, you know, or it's the yeah. fear that someone else has placed on you. They've reflected their fear onto you. And now you have that fear that you never really shouldn't have had in the first place. 
So I'm glad mm-hmm. that you're in loving the skin that you're in. You're loving your moves. You're you're a better business person, and I think it's only gonna grow for you. You know what I'm saying? It's only gonna get bigger. And this time next year, mm-hmm. you're gonna be like, listen, y'all. Y'all thought last year was crazy, but let me tell you what I've been going through, and then I have to figure out, was I going to do this or this? And they both big things, and I don't know which one I was going to do first. It's going to be decisions <laughs> like that, where you're going to be like, I don't know, Michelle Obama or Oprah. I, I just don't know. They both want me to pick them. I don't want to put them on a wait list, but somebody got to go on the wait list. It's like <laughs> Somebody has to go. Hmm. <laughs> I'm picking any my at this point. Love it. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Like, listen, what do y'all got to go on the wait list? I'm going to need you to pick a number between one and ten. One and ten. Who gets close? Yes. The person who don't pick your number <laughs> go on the wait list. I love it. I love it. We so appreciate you having to kick it with us. Yes, exactly. No problem. Have me again. This is fun. Oh, but now, but don't let's chat. All right, Lee. You, you know, know, you ain't right, right. <laughs> Yeah, let's chat. We we like to do something fun with our guests because we keep our platform free for a reason. Um, because when you don't have word of mouth and you don't have that fan base or when people are not familiar with you, uh, we love to be able to share you and your spirit and your brand and just your why for the mm-hmm. things that you do. Because a lot of times, well, most of the time, people are not buying what you're selling. Mm -hmm. They're buying Mm -hmm. the experience that you're giving them. And so we like to have something fun. So T going to ask you a fun question. I don't know what she's going to ask you. So I'm just saying that's not my, that's not my department. So I don't know what she's going to ask you, but okay. (laughs) I'm just here here for the uh, comments. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, Kaylin, you said something that somebody needed to hear tonight, and and and, and we have, thank you for sharing that with us. But your fun question tonight, Kaylin, is if you you know those big box of crayons we used to get, like about sixty four, one hundred and twenty. You are yes, a color the in, that box. in the backyard. Yes, you are a color in that box. You can be one color or a combination, or you can even make up your own. What color would mm-hmm. you be and why? Electric blue. <laughs> because I'm bright and I'm vibrant, and whenever you put me down on anything, I will stand out, whether it's on black paper or white paper, I will leave a mark. And share that color again? Electric blue. Electric. I like blue. that. We, that's not just any blue. Right. He said electric. Yeah, electric blue. <laughs> yes. That's the first time I we had it. that color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's a good color. <laughs> good pick, good pick, good pick. Good, good answer, good answer. I like that. <laughs> we so appreciate you coming to kick it with us here in the chat room on today. We want you to shout out all of your social media where everybody can get you anywhere they want to purchase your paintings. If you have a website, make sure you make sure you mention your website. Uh, and any events or any place they can go and purchase your paintings from outside of purchasing them from you. Well, you can purchase my artwork at justsomepaint.com or you can follow me on social media on IG at 
Status Blazing, B-A-D-D-E-S-T-B-L-A-S-I-A-N. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where they can get your, your paintings? Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. And mm-hmm. your social media? Is that is blazing. B A D D E S T D L A S I A N. That's grand. platforms? Yeah, um, yeah, that's, I only have IG. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, we so appreciate you. You are welcome back anytime. Yes. Oh, please thank come back you. again. <laughs> have a good one. Okay. Have a good weekend. You as well. Thank you. That was fun, Leash. He was so interesting. Yes, I love his energy. Yes, I he love his too. energy. I like his color, electric blue. Mm-hmm. We haven't. That's the first electric anything we've had. <laughs> and he was ready for it. He was ready for it. He was. He was so ready for it the first time. I didn't even hear him. That's why I had to ask him to repeat it. <laughs> Right, he was ready. He was ready because I was like, "What did he say?" He was like, "Electric blue." I was like, "Not just plain old blue." He said, "I'm the blue." Stop it! <laughs> I love it. Oh, we hope you guys enjoyed that interview yeah. as much as we did. Yes, we appreciate you guys kicking us with, kicking it with us here on Let's Chat. I'm Miss Lisa. You know, I got my right hand half the time, and most of the time, she is my left, the fabulous Miss Tony. If you missed our first interview, no worries. Just head over to our archives here on Blog Talk or on iTunes or iHeartRadio, really any podcast app, and you'll be able to listen to it in its entirety. We got to pull in our next fabulous guest into the chat room. Okay. Let me see. Kizzy Cassell, y'all, she, let me tell you about this one right here before I bring her in. Y'all, she is Uh super dope. She is super, super dope. And um, I love her energy and I love her passion. Uh, She has a true Uh passion for what she wants to do and a love for children. You know what I'm saying? And okay. everybody, every time mm-hmm. they do something, don't just because they say they like kids don't mean they love kids. And I love the That's fact true. that she literally loves kids. She wants to see them mm-hmm. not only just shine on the outside, but shine on the inside. Oh, so we don't have enough of those. We don't. We don't. It's not enough people that are willing to um, step out and and just wrap your arms around somebody else's child. They don't know you and mm-hmm. you don't know them, but you just want to give them that love. Right. So true. Well, I can't wait to get her in here so we can learn more about her and her journey. Absolutely. I'm just going to pull her in. Okay. Hey, Kizzy, how are you? Hey, you guys. How are you doing? We are good, Kizzy. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Excited to be with you now, guys tonight. Oh, we, we are excited too. you are here. Good. Absolutely. Now, for all of those who are, is not aware of Kizzy Cassell and her brand, 
tell everybody uh, just a little bit about yourself and your journey, your powerful journey. Uh, oh, okay. Well, my name is Kizzy Cassell. I am the founder of a nonprofit mentoring organization called Pink Roses by Kizzy. Uh, Pink Roses by Kizzy strives to empower girls um, and young women to be confident. We strive to empower and inspire our youth to know the power within. So whatever we can do to empower girls and get them away from whatever they're going through in their everyday life, um, that's what we do. Oh. That's I love powerful. it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to you before. Um, tell us about your goal moment. You know, we, we've talked about your goal moment. What was that moment when you decided to step into uh, your vision and step into your destiny? Well, I'll say um, I've done party planning. I, I used to go and set up parties and events. I've owned event venues. Um and I, when I go to birthday parties, a lot of my best friends, there's about 15 of us, we all had little girls at the same time. So if we're at a birthday mm-hmm. party, normally I wouldn't look at it as like we're around this birthday party, we got all these girls. I look at all the beautiful children that are there and, like, the potential in them and what they have to offer. And I remember uh, my daughter, she was probably in, like, ninth grade at that time, just starting high school, and we were living in a suburb. And um, the suburbs have a lot of issues that normally in the – I didn't grow up in the hood, but I didn't grow up in the suburbs either. Um, And there was a Mm -hmm. lot of issues that I wasn't familiar with that these kids are going through even with social media these days um, that I felt like was needed. So um, I grew up without a mom. My mom was around, so I need to stop saying that. My mother was around, but in the era when I was born, um, a lot of our parents were on drugs. Cocaine was very popular. So my grandmother mm-hmm. raised me and my brother. So um, I had a great life. I'm not going to say I did not, but I lacked a lot of the expensive stuff I've seen my friends that had both parents live through. Um, so I used to live through them. But fast forward to me uh, with my daughter. She was in ninth grade, and she would come home and tell me all the stories about her friends, about cutting and the bullying. Social media bullying was, like, really bad because it was really popular to them at that time. Um, so I just was like, you know, from the me being an event planner and throwing these huge events and having these businesses, let's just go on Facebook and my social media outlets and see if this is something my friends would be interested in. So I made up some cute invitations. I told them everybody had to bring like $20 because I took my rent and basically sacrificed that to throw my very first event. So um I made sure they had all the little cute finger foods. I made sure everything was pink, roses inspired. I had just came up with the name. Um, so we ended up having this sleepover at my house, and I never in a million years would have thought that 77 girls would show up, my very first event. Um, so we wow. had 77 girls come. I had, like, five of my best friends from high school come and just help assist me because I didn't think it would be that. Um, it was very empowering. Um, it, it did let me know that what I have is very needed, um, that these kids are going through stuff that's way deeper than what probably I can help, but I can get them away from it for a second. Um, and mm-hmm. just to let them know that they're not alone. So that was like my event that I knew that I was going to something big, probably bigger than I ever expected. Wow. What a journey. 
Now, Kizzy, do well, you that was feel the beginning. That, uh, it was fun then. The journey hadn't started yeah. then. <laughs> yep. That was pretty much your goal moment. But do you feel that um, you learned something about yourself after that initial 70-something girl sleepover? <laughs> That's a lot of girls. Well, what I feel like that I learned, and when I tell people that they, they don't believe me because we're with 77 girls pass out, but yeah. I had a six-bedroom house at that time, and, and it just was fun. We barely sweat. Sweat. Um, it ended up being like Halloween at night, so it just was fun. It was a nice icebreaker. It was a great time. What I would say that I learned um, from that very first event, um, one little girl was cutting herself, and she tried to commit suicide that very first event that I oh. had right before she came. Wow. And her abuser was her mother. And her mother told her every chance that she could that um, she wished they were dead. She choked her. She put a knife at her neck. Like, I just, mm. I couldn't imagine my kids going through that, but there are families that are. And I'm not judging. I don't know what that mom's been through. So I'm careful of, back then I judged because I just wanted to save that little girl. I didn't know no better. This was new to me. But. Mm-hmm. I noticed that back now and just realized it's real life out here and you just don't know what's really going on in these households and people mm-hmm. can't handle what I can handle. So all I can do is be there for her. I remember that little girl, my daughter pushed her in the room and said, mom, talk to her. And she said she tried to put a bag around her head and tried to kill herself. I seen the cut marks on her arm. Mm. And then that Monday mm. she went to school. I told her I would do her hair cause I own hair salons. And I said, like, I felt like even the way she looked when they presented her to me, like she just needed to be uplifted and just needed somebody mm-hmm. like me to just inspire her. So, like, from her hair, mm-hmm. I said, come over. I can do your hair. Like, whatever you need. I didn't know what she mm-hmm. needed. I knew she needed a me. Um, and and so mm-hmm. that Monday, my daughter sent me um, some notes, some text messages. You know, they all just get in their phones. And she texted sent me text messages of the little girl saying she was going to kill herself. And it it hurt because I didn't know really what I was walking into starting this organization. Um, Mm -hmm, So I didn't know, like, if I called the police, the police are just going to go to her house. If everything looks normal, they're going to leave, and then what's going to happen to her? So that's what I was prepared for. Um, But I learned over the years of, like, the steps to take – and I'm not trying to ruin anybody's household. I'm just trying to save these kids because that could have easily been me in the house with my mom on drugs. Like, you don't know what these kids are going through. And now you have – we didn't even have social media back then. Now social mm-hmm. media is a different type of bullying where people are making fake pages, starting as, as kids, bullying people. Right. And yeah. it's going around mm-hmm. the high schools, and they're ready to kill themselves. So, you That's know, there's right. some real-life stuff going on. Even right now with COVID, and I know I'm, I'm probably going further, but these kids are really going through some stuff. Like, at least we can leave and go to work. They can't even leave and mm-hmm. go to work. They're just, like, stuck in the house. They can't go to the rec center. They can't even go to a birthday party these days because the world is just changing and evolving. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I feel like what I'm doing is important. Mm. It definitely is. And you're right about this this pandemic time that we've been literally locked down for the last couple of months, you know. Well, not couple. It's been since February and March. March. So that's been a lot of months. It's almost been a year. That's right. That's right, six, Mm -hmm. seven months. But a lot of people, you know, from, from moms, dads, children, grandmas, 
and and not only that, there's abuse going on. I mean, the domestic violence has risen so much during these last six, seven months that we don't know what's going on in people's homes, and and that right. is real. Like, where do they? Mm-hmm. Where's their outlet? What have you been experiencing since the pandemic? Since the pandemic, um, I've been an entrepreneur for about 15 years. I have not worked for Mm -hmm. anybody in 15 years. Um, I've been a business owner, an entrepreneur. I mean, I love the entrepreneur life. Um, But I did uh, about April have to get a job because when all the venues shut down, of course, all of my events stopped immediately. Parents stopped paying immediately. Um, Everybody Mm -hmm. got scared. So I had to go get a job, which I loved. I ended up being a nurse um, at a warehouse um, due to COVID. They, you know, they needed to take temperatures and and um, check everybody as they were coming into work. So I really enjoyed it. Financially, mm-hmm. it's something I felt like I needed um, to be able mm-hmm. to help my family. I'm a wife and a, a mother of four, and I needed that. And I haven't had that financial stability in 15 years to where every week a check mm-hmm. is coming. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. have to sacrifice rent for once. Um, I didn't have to take away from anything. I, I enjoy getting out and going to work and being around a dog. And <laughs> you know, I'm around mm-hmm. stuff all day and just being a mom. So it, it was a great experience. Um, I feel like this was kind of the best thing for my business. COVID has ruined so many businesses, but I would say this has been. One of the best times because finally I can sit still and do other stuff I normally wouldn't have time to do, um, mm-hmm. like doing little model courses and doing engaging with my, my models because normally I would go to an event and I'm just there for a weekend in one city and I don't have time to learn a little girl or, like, get to know them. Now it's giving me the chance to, like, really learn my kids, my models around the world and mm-hmm. um, just get to know, learn more about them. Mm. I love it. I love Y'all it. Y'all keep saying that, um, like, <laughs> because we like to be able to 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 allow you to speak, but we get excited, and so we have to we have to contain ourselves because we we love yeah. creativity, <laughs> we love people's vision, yeah. uh, and, and we love when they love it. Like when somebody is excited right. about mm-hmm. the things that they have going on, that really excites. Mm-hmm. Now, you do right. um, fashion shows for children, and tell us a little bit about the fashion shows that you put on. Um, well, the fashion shows, I produce the events. I'm not a designer, um, but I work with so many designers that I feel like I could throw shows literally internationally everywhere. Um, I am the one that puts the shows together. I am the one that prints the flyers, prints the tickets. I find the models, um, depending on what city I wake up and feel like going to. Um, I find the venues. I find the DJs. I basically produce these events, and then I find designers that fit whatever event that I'm going through. So I usually look for about 75 to 100 girls per event, and um, I basically go from there. Uh, we, I give myself three months and produce these events, and then um, – figure out what next city we're going to go to and throw this over the top. Everything I do is very over the top. <laughs> so um, we're all, we're also in the middle of shooting a TV show. So I'm looking for models for that as well. 
Really? So how can, if anyone's interested in being a model for that, where can they find the information or where can they reach you about it? Um, right now, if you go on my Instagram, it's Pink Roses by Kizzy Inc. Um, you could DM me on there or you could email me at pinkrosesmodels at gmail.com and just simply reach out and say I'm interested in my daughter being an ambassador, a model, uh, whatever I'm doing at the time. That would be a, a mm-hmm. very easy way to get me. Is there an age limit or age parameter? Yes, ma'am. I'm looking for, actually, right now we're looking for girls and male models, um, ages 5 to 14. Oh, that's a fun age age range. That's before they, they get grown and form attitudes. <laughs> Talk back. That's why it's a nice age range. And they're range. too busy with their friends. You know what I mean? At, at like, 14, they, they don't have no time for you. They, like, out figuring out life. <laughs> doing their own thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great thing, though. You know, I, I'm sure your your daughter, the one that you started off with, is so very proud of you. I'm, you know, she does just as much as I am. She grew up in an entrepreneur household. So, like, she's a makeup artist. She's my videographer. She does tattoos. Um, she does everything. She's a mini-me. And she is proud. I, I don't think she ever expected just a conversation coming home from school to be seven years later a worldwide and a household name. Like, I don't think she ever expected that. Uh, and you're creating those creative juices within her. Because you, can you please yep. share with us about your book as well as your TV show? Yeah, so the book is something I've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm actually in the beginning stages of that. Um, I wanted to do a memoir of, like, every stage of my life because I was that, like I said, that little girl that wasn't raised with parents. But my mom is around, so I, but she wasn't at that time. So I, I had to deal with that. I was a, a big sister to a little brother and a mom, to him as well. Um, I mm-hmm. grew up being bullied, to being a stripper, to being an entrepreneur. Like, I mean, I pretty much can do anything that you could think of. And I want people to see what where I started and what led me to where I am now. Um, so I wanted mm. to do a memoir for that. And then I work mm-hmm. with so many kids. I have literally like over 3,000 kids I'm working with right now. So I wanted to do wow. some type of children's empowerment book, almost like a cartoon-like book that would inspire mm-hmm. them to wake up every day. Almost they could read it. I want to almost have a – a message in there that they read every day when they get up for school or anything, just to let them know how strong they are, that they can be anything that they want to be. Um, I am that for them. So I, I want mm-hmm. that to be a real strong children's book for them. Um, and then the TV mm-hmm. show is basically about my fashion shows. I do spa parties. Um, I pretty much do anything you could think of for kids. So I, it's almost like a behind the scenes of the beginning and to the end of my fashion shows and my events, um, the mm-hmm. ups and the downs, I want everybody to see, like, yeah, anybody could throw an event, but everybody can't throw a successful event. Um, right. So it's like I just want people to see that it's not all what you see on social media and the pretty pictures. It'd be some really messed up stuff going on behind the scenes. You might get some parents that are just over the top and just too overprotective that maybe this ain't mm-hmm. for them. I just I want people to see the beginning to the end of what I literally go through per event. 
And you know something, just like our last guest, people need to hear it. And, and, and you never know who's listening that may be touched by something that you're saying, whether it be mm-hmm. they're in a house where they have nowhere to turn or they're at a point where, you know, I can help someone as well. So it's so important to share these and to let the masses know there is mm-hmm. it, there's a plethora of different directions that you can go in this world. Yeah. Listen to this. I remember um, my very first fashion show was, like, one of my, like, that would be the second biggest moment for Pink Roses for me. Um, I never uh-huh. even knew, like, uh-huh. 100 girls could find me from all, all over the world. They flew in for me. Just to see all the designers come together, my makeup artists, hairdressers uh-huh. come together and just donate their time for me. And I remember, uh-huh. like, sitting in the bed, I ended up sacrificing. I, I took my rent and paid, like, the deposit of what I needed to pay for this fashion show. And this was the moment where Pink Roses got on the map when I did that first event. And I remember that week, that next day, everybody telling me how proud they were, but they didn't know I got evicted. So I was actually, like, moving out of my house that next day. Uh-huh. So a moment that should have been, like, the biggest moment to me and me celebrating I was sitting in my bed depressed. I went into, like, a deep depression after that. But it, it should have been, like, the biggest moment. But at that time, I don't think I realized that my husband and my kids were being put out. All I could think of was, like, I made 100 girls experience, like, uh, experience that they never even been through. To me, right. like, that, I would say, would be the second biggest moment, but the biggest sacrifice I took. Wow. See, even you know personally the sacrifices and the pain that a person oh, can go I've through. Oh, I've lost a lot. I've lost a lot. Yeah, you can, you. can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, because people, people you, you, you've experienced different spectrums of it. So you can relate in many ways that a lot of people can't, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that book you're talking about is not just, your story, but a lot of people's story, you know. Mm-hmm. And I hope this won't be a one and done because it sounds like you have so much more inside of you to share. Oh, yeah. I heard that I have a series. <laughs> I did a podcast in New York earlier this year, which was my very first one. I never experienced it. Um, but when I was there, they was, I was there for two hours, and they said, like, we should have mm-hmm. had you here for a week. Like, you literally have a series. <laughs> And chapters mm-hmm. in you that, like, I feel like people mm-hmm. need. Because a lot of people just hide everything they're going through. At this point, I've gained and lost so much. I kind of don't give a damn of, like, what people think anymore. It's just what it is. And, I mean, if you don't like my story, maybe it's not for you. But it's for a right. lot more people. And and right. I'm not the fakey. I'm not going to fake, like, my marriage is perfect or, like, all I am striving to be at this point is a perfect wife, a, a wonderful mom to my kids. I won't sacrifice my house and my cars anymore. I learned that the hard way multiple times, trying to be a business uh-huh. owner. But I had to learn it, and that's why I'm so strong, and that's why I know this TV show is needed. Because I can't really, like, if you think of loving hip-hop, I don't know any celebrities. I don't own a Bentley. I don't have money. I'm a real-life entrepreneur. Like, that is chasing my dream, and a lot more people can mm-hmm. relate to what I'm doing in my dream than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
that yeah, you you better talk that talk, girl. <laughs> because not, not only am I feeling what you're saying, I know that so many more that are listening feel the same mm-hmm. way, and we so appreciate you. Because like you mm-hmm. said, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. A lot mm-hmm. of people, and and people are so scared. Mm-hmm. And especially on social media, people can portray themselves to be one thing, but in all actuality, their life is a total opposite the of what they're perpetrating. Mm-hmm. You know, so we thank you for sharing that. A whole hot mess. <laughs> Believe me, I know. I know a few of them. That I, I used to wish I had their life. It looks so fabulous for real in real life. But it's just a hot mess. But, you know, I don't expect this TV show or this book or anything to, like, change my life. Or I don't expect, like, a miracle to happen from it. I just want to tell my story. And I know uh-huh. that it's something bigger, way bigger than what I know that it is, especially with as many girls as that find me every day, that parents email me every day. It's something about what I'm doing that, that they just want to be a part of. And I think it's just time. It's just time to tell my story on TV, in the book, wherever it needs to be told. Now, you say you was in New York for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm in New York, so I wish I had known you at that point. I would have definitely come out to support you. Honey, don't play. I'll be done flew down in the morning. She is not playing. You mentioned her words. I am not one to play. I, I, do, I do this for fun. <laughs> I, I told you, her girl. when she comes to Atlanta, let me know. I'm there for her. I event. just left. I just left, but I'll be back there in a couple of weeks. I have some exciting stuff going on there. Actually, uh, next month was when I was supposed to have my fashion show there. New York, I'm supposed to be there uh, the month after, but I am just don't know What's going on? Are the city, the world about to shut down again? It's like everything's mm-hmm. on hold. Right. So true. So true. And but that's a lot of networking. Lot of, um, mm-hmm. Now, have, during this pandemic, have you done anything virtually to touch the girls near and far? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I had to learn Zoom quick um, because that's something I normally wouldn't have done. I would have been too busy. Um so Zoom, we did some model, model, uh, model one-on-one courses with Duchess is Runway. He's my model coach. Um, somebody I haven't even met in person yet. Um, it just was a great networking connection. Um, so I've done some stuff with Fresh Kid Nation um, where we've done a pinkpreneur because little kids right now are starting businesses, and they're not waiting. You, and, I, you know, I tell my kids, you don't have to start when you're 18. Them days are over. You can start whatever business, lemonade, lip gloss, T-shirts, whatever you want to do, I'm going to give you the pointers to start it. So we did a pinkpreneur class that was very successful that I'm going to be doing again soon um, because parents are waiting on, like, okay, what's up next? Um, And it was so empowering that it it needs to be done. Um, So I want to do a big children's um, expo almost, probably when the world opens back up with all the entrepreneurs, kidpreneurs that are starting new businesses, I would love to do that. So I've been working a lot behind the scenes um, with that type of stuff because when the world opens awesome. back up, my events will be, you know, back on and I won't have time. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. I love it. I love it. And that's really unique. An event that has kids that have children vendors. Like, Mm -hmm. that's unique. And I think that's going to be super dope. I think it will be big. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree. We so appreciate you coming to kick it with us here in the chat room. You are a blessing to so many. We appreciate you for just being you. Now, here mm-hmm. on the chat, we do like to do something a little fun with our guests. So T is going to give you a fun question. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, Miss 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 Powerhouse Kizzy. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You know, your fun question is this. We're going to go back in time because you you do so much with children, and and my fun question has to do with a lot of children. Now, if you were a box of cereal, and it could be now or then, what box of cereal would best describe you and why? Fruity Pebbles. Oh, I love Fruity Pebbles. (laughs) Yeah, because... And I think Fruity Pebbles best describes me because I do everything. Like when I hang up oh. from you guys, I have a, a T-shirt printing business. I'm helping 25 businesses market and brand their businesses. Um, so mm-hmm. when I hang up from you, I'll be printing. I'll be sending emails out to parents about events. Um, I have to go do hair. Like I do everything. So if you think <laughs> of every damn crazy thing that I do, Fruity Pebbles best fits me. I love it, Leash. I love and it. It's sweet. And every and it's sweet. Every color. That's true. And wait. And it's made out of rice, so it is gluten free as Honey. well. Mhm. Honey, listen. <laughs> that make them healthy. That's me. Hey, that make them healthy. That make them healthy. <laughs> Never mind about that. That would be <laughs> Right, right. Nope. Fruity pebbles are made for rice. They are healthy. Yeah. And people spend money on food pebbles. So that would be me. Yeah. That's a popular cereal. <laughs> yes. One of the best yes. ones. Awesome. I love me some fruity pebbles. I love me some fruity mm-hmm. pebbles. And they are, that's a snack food. Like, that's not breakfast food. Like, yeah. don't get up in the morning and eat my fruity pebbles. That is not what they're for. Don't they are not for you. I have to tell my son that. This, this box right here is not for you. <laughs> that stuff over there, that's yours. Honey, right. that Cheerio. Right. You, you eat that bag. Day. No, they gotta eat the bag of Cheerio. Don't touch that box. <laughs> That's an all-day so that two-dollar bag. Eat all the bowls you want. <laughs> all the bowls, but this right here, all when the I want to have a snack. I'm gonna have my healthy fruity pebbles. That's a snack. Healthy. Right. Put up all the way at the top of the shelf. I'm that. I'm the, the box at the top of the shelf. <laughs> I love love it. I love it. We so appreciate you kissing. Well, I like to meet you guys. Your time, your space. Listen, I don't take up much space, but I'm on the top. That's right. But we so appreciate you spending time with us. I appreciate you guys inviting me. Now we mm-hmm. want you to shout out all of your social media, uh, any other uh, uh, interviews that you might have coming up, any um, events that virtual events that you may be attending or have, and, and ways that people can contact you and contact your organization. Well, um, my biggest page is Instagram, of course, would be Pink Roses by Kizzy Inc. 
Um, you can also follow me on Facebook at Pink Roses by Kizzy. Um, any events that I have coming up, I would say follow my Instagram page. I post literally my whole life on there. Um, when the world opens back up and these venues open back up, just look forward to my new fashion show date. We have a lot of events coming up and uh, TV show shootings. Um, I will need extras. I will need models. I will need kids. So just please follow my page, DM me, email me, whatever it takes. All of my links are on my Instagram. Awesome. And please support her. She is doing some awesome, awesome things. I'm trying. Yes, she <laughs> and is. Absolutely. And we will see Thanks you soon. Again. Okay, thank you guys. Have a great night. Okay, you too. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. You want to talk about energy, Lee? She was amazing. She's super great. Yes, I love it. I love it. Y'all, this is Miss Leisha. You know you were tuning in to Let's Chat. And I got the fabulous Miss Tony. If you're just tuning in and you've missed our first two interviews, no worry. Head over to our archives here on Blog Talk iTunes, or even iHeartRadio, and you can listen to them there in the uh, entirety of the replay. If you want to be a guest on Let's Chat, no worries. Send your request to the chat radio show at gmail.com. You also can advertise with the ladies of Let's Chat. That's right. Just send your request for commercial spots here to uh, our the chat radio show at gmail.com. Also, don't forget there is Let's Chat Live, which is our live uh, show that we do. <laughs> that show is twenty five dollars. If you would like to be a guest on Let's Chat Live, send your request in, and we will be able to give you directions on how to make your payment, and we will send you a date. We so appreciate everybody that's kicking it here with us on today. We have our next fabulous guest. Now, let me tell y'all, <laughs> this one right here. We mm-hmm. love her, and I never knew that this was her pen name. I just I just never thought about it. I never used mm-hmm. it. I've never called her it. I've never, none of the above. I just have never used it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm excited because, y'all, she is, when I say she's dope in real life, not only is she a author, a powerhouse with her pen, but she is, um, a military personnel, and she she fights for our country, uh, and she is just awesome all the way around. Hey, <laughs> hey, how are you? <laughs> we are good. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for yes, having me. To say thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for covering us. We thank you for going out there over and beyond, over the seas, to other countries, to in, in our favor. And we thank you for that. We want to start out saying thank you. Well, mm-hmm. you're welcome, and thank you very much. <laughs> now, listen. Okay, first we got to know what you've been cooking in your creative kitchen. <laughs> First off, you had me laughing to myself because it's funny because <laughs> we're always messaging, and so you never call me by my pen name, so you know me by my government. <laughs> and it was funny because exactly. I'm like, yeah, she never calls me that. <laughs> I never used it. I'm like, who is this? Wait a minute. I was like, I thought I was interviewing her. She going to send her author? <laughs> I'm like, I'm That's I why you I 
that. <laughs> yes, so I never confused. use it. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you pronounce it? Because, listen, I can tear a name up. I was like, well, hey, I don't even know how to pronounce the name. You I did tear it up. Name. I was I like, oh, Lord. You tore it up. <laughs> so, I but I knew it was love. I knew it was love. So, you know, it's okay. Um, but my pen name is Jay Asmara. Um, and it's actually Arabic for beautiful butterfly. So it has a meaning behind it. Okay. Oh. Okay. Now, what yeah. have you been mm. cooking in your uh, kitchen, your creative kitchen, Jay Asmara? So I just recently um, released my 15th book. Um, the title of it is Blood Money. And it's super dope. And I'm not just saying it because I'm the author. <laughs> But it is super dope. It was my first street lit story. I've done erotica. Um, I've done suspense. I've done action. I've done drama. But I wanted to challenge myself and do this street lit, and it has been a hit. Um, everyone who has read it, I get messages, and they're telling me how much they love it, which means a lot to me because when you step outside of your comfort zone as an author – Oh, my God. Like, I had so much anxiety. I was like, what if they don't like it? And um, I have one friend, my best friend, and she's my go-to when I have my moments. And I'm like, oh, my God, what if they don't like it? This is so different. What if they – she was like, shut up. You're awesome. What are you talking about? This is, like, the best thing you've written. And I'm like, okay. And then <laughs> I, I put it out, and it's awesome. And it's, it was actually really scary because, um, like, Alicia knows I – just recently returned from Kuwait. So I was deployed for um, 10 months. So I was writing it while I was over in Kuwait and I hadn't put out anything in um, like a year and a half. And I was nervous because I'm like, I don't want to let the fans down. It's been so long that before, since I put out a book, it has to be good. And sometimes yourself, you're your worst critic because I'm like oh my god it has to be the best but is that really possible because I'm always you're always going to find something wrong with it even if it's and I'm doing air quotes that y'all can't see even though it's the best you're always going to find uh-huh. something with it so uh-huh. yeah <laughs> so now what was that what's that process like for you because you have to uh, when you're at work it's a whole different environment uh, you have to constantly be on guard. You have to constantly have uh, your protective gear on. So what is that like? Do they, like, the characters, like, talk to you when you're on patrol? I mean, how is this that process like for you? Well, first off, my my military life isn't like that. I'm not infantry. I don't go out in patrols and all that. Um, I was, however, the scariest thing that happened when I was over there was the Iran attack. So we were on high alert. We did have to wear our gear, but that was only um, for a 30-day period. So outside of that, it was as if I was back in the States and I was just going to work during my um, my shift. It, only difference is I was in the desert and it was like a million degrees. <laughs> but it, it was just so like normal. So you're an officer? No, um, I'm a staff sergeant. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but actually my writing is my escape. Like um, I went through the whole – it was stressful. It's very stressful. So I would go 
and I would go to work, be stressed, not liking the people I work with. You know the usual. It's like a million degrees. You don't like anyone when you're hot and you're irritated. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I went into my back to my room, that's what I did at night. Um, and yes, my characters did talk to me. You know, and I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. I would write. Some nights I would write a chapter. Some nights I would only push out a paragraph, and it was okay either way, you know. And just by my consistency, I was able to get it done and produce an awesome product. Mm, that's awesome. Miss J. Asmara, this is Tony. You know, you're stepping out Hi, of your comfort zone. Hey, sweetie, it's been a while. It's been a minute since we've seen each other. But you're stepping yes. out of your comfort zone, and you're writing something that's not the normal for you. Can you share with us the challenges that you face getting this book out? The biggest challenge, honestly, was getting past myself. Because one of the things I've said since the beginning of my author journey is I wanted to be a writer. I want to be a storyteller. I want to be able to write whatever story comes to mind. And that's why if you look at my catalog, there's so many different genres. And it's not because I'm scatterbrained. It's really intentional. I didn't want to get into a box where, you know, I couldn't get myself out of. When you're a storyteller, you tell many different stories. And so my biggest challenge was getting out of my own way and reminding myself that this is my gift and I can do it versus, oh, my gosh, am I going to be able to do this right? You know, and Mm -hmm. once I said, Mm -hmm. you got this, the story started telling itself. Not to say I didn't get stuck a few times, but that was just, that's just being an author, period. You're going to get through some um, chapters that's going to just flow and then you're going to get stuck. But even when I get there, I walk away from it. I do not force any stories because the readers can read when it's forced. You're like, oh, that's a little, it's a little throwed off. It's a little different. And so when I get to the point where the words aren't coming, I step away from it. They can definitely feel the, the, the energy in your pen even as they're reading it. But is there one genre over another that you enjoy writing the most? Don't judge me. <laughs> I actually, like, I'm, I'm a little nasty. I like the erotica. I like the freedom of it. She but fast. I don't just like, <laughs> she fast. I don't just like mm-hmm. the, I just don't like the regular erotica. Like, even with my erotica, I like erotic suspense. So, um, I like to have some sexy in a story instead of uh, just a whole bunch of sex and then it's a little bit of story. No, I like the spiciness within stories, but I like the suspense of it. So I think my favorite genre is erotic erotic suspense, and um, my first trilogy is actually an erotic suspense, and that might be why that's my favorite because that's my baby. But, yeah, that was fun because, like I said, it's the sexy, but it. I like to play with people's minds. Like, even with Blood Money, a lot of people like, I did not see the ending coming. When I get that, that means I did a great job. I do not want my story to be predictable. So I think that's why I like the whole suspense thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that story I love with substance. It. I love it. Nothing beats that. A story with substance is not just a story. Mm-hmm. 
Because I've read some, and I'm like, okay, let me put this down. I, I can't even get into them. Like, every five words, it's like, okay, how much more sex can you have in this book? Like, come on, can, can I get to the story? <laughs> like, Listen, on? we book bougie. We are book bougie. We used to hide that and be like, well, you know, we like, but no, we're book bougie. That means from your cover <laughs> to your content, if it ain't right, see, Tony is an editor. Tony will give you 20 pages. I'm going to give you five pages. If you ain't got me in five pages, uh, you're not going to get me. Unless I have to read it, then I'm going to have to take out pen and paper. Now I got to take notes. Why? Because I really want to put it down. And if you got sex in your book, if it's going to be nasty, let, them be, let it be nasty. If not, send them to Starbucks do it, do coffee huh? and conversation. Right. We don't have time. Let They need coffee and conversation. They don't need a sex scene. You know, and don't be trying to use them big old words to make love to my brain. That's not what don't it is. Don't you hate that? <laughs> you ain't got to hate it. So true. So no true. <laughs> I think and people don't, and, and, and it's mostly men. That's why I say women write better sex scenes than men. Uh, most men. I'm not going to say all men because there are some male authors that write great sex scenes. But for the most part, most women authors write better sex scenes. But I will say them big old words. This is the thing about the etiquette of a book. You do not want your character to distract your reader. So, therefore, their name, a distractive name, like sky blue orange. I mean, that's distractive because now they like sky blue orange. They, they like, that's took not even them possible. Story now, <laughs> right? You done took them out of the story now. Now you got supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's like now I gotta put the book down and pick up a dictionary to find out what it is that you're trying to say. Anybody got time for that? That takes them out of your story. Anything that takes the reader out of your story is a distraction. And I know a lot of people mm-hmm. have names because it sounds good to them. If it messes up the flow of the story, please don't use it. Yeah, I said it. Don't send me no <laughs> inboxes. Do not use it. Stop <laughs> distracting people in these stories. I asked my soapbox. I'm sorry. <laughs> you feel better now? <laughs> yes, I do. I'm glad. Listen. Okay. <laughs> I, and with that being said, it. it's hard, you know. Sometimes you you may know a name, you think it's pronounced one way, and you get accustomed to this character's name, and that's how you see them in your mind. But then to come to find out that it's pronounced another way, that could just throw you all off. But, uh, and um, that's like last understanding. Yeah, that's like a lot. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, like last week I actually put a post on my Facebook and I was asking for a character name for a male character for a book that I want to start. And I got some great names, but some of the names I'm like, okay, that's too complicated. You know, if I got to stop and try to figure out how to pronounce it, I'm not going to put it in my book. I'm not going to do it. And then not giving them a full name, like Juice. Okay, what's Juice's name? His mama and daddy ain't named him Juice the Street Steve. So give him a full name. Give him a give him a whole image. Give him a face. Give him a full entire name. Juice is his nickname. Eddie the Juice Man Taylor. Something. But just don't use uh, or brick. I mean, those are good names, but um, that's not their real name. What's that for Ethic? Because Ethic is his real name, uh, the character's real name. But you know what I mean? Give them a full mm-hmm. identity. 
give give them life. You have to give them complete life. And I think a lot of times um, authors don't pay attention to that. You are creating an actual person, especially uh, male and female characters. That's where people, majority of readers are female. So your male characters are their book boobs. And so you got a book boob. He has to be a whole complete person, a whole complete person. And if you give him a half of personality, you've created a half of character. I agree. Now, I, I want to ask you, because you've been writing for a while, and our, our new um, segments that we're going to start talking about is um, the, the state of black, of black publishing. What do you mm-hmm. think the state of black publishing is today? And what do you think it could be, what do you think can be done to revive it back to the days uh, when it was flourishing? Honestly, I think one of the problems with black publishing companies now, um, they're out there like candy. There's no value to it anymore because there's so many of them and a lot of them aren't handling themselves like the traditional publishing companies. So I feel like it's kind of watered down the the whole value of it. However, it's not just because it's black publishers. It's just because it's publishers all around. And even with that, the influx of um, self-published authors is crazy. It's like every time I turn around, there's a new author, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that because that's awesome, follow your dreams, but because there's so many authors out there, I feel like a lot of people are jumping into the business just to make a dollar off of it because it's like, okay, this is a lucrative business, not understanding the work that comes with it. You have someone's career in your hands. It's not just about the coins that you can make, and I think, it to be beneficial if some of these small publishing companies collaborated. If the com- the money that one small um, publisher company has, if you have five of those, they can they can be as big as these traditional publishing companies. But I feel like there's a lot of I don't even know how to I don't want to say jealousy, but the competition has taken a, a a turn that maybe it shouldn't have. If that makes sense, like. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. you know? Come together, come together. Like, why have five small publishing companies and each company has two people? Come together. Bring your resources together. Okay, this company may have the the better editor. This one may have the better cover designer. This one may have the the business plan that will benefit everyone. But unfortunately, it doesn't happen. And I've seen it in the industry a lot, even with the authors. If I tell you how many times when I started and even now that I've reached out to authors and they're like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Can you help me? And they hold on to the information as if me doing something is going to stop them from eating. There's so many readers out there, and readers read multiple books, sometimes multiple books at mm-hmm. one time. So it's not That's going right. to affect anyone, but it's that misconception that, mm-hmm. oh, no, oh, no. Grabbing the bear. information. Right, but mm-hmm. why? Um, so I really think if people would just put their their uh, egos aside and come together, the publishing company, especially with black publishers, will flourish. There's people, mm. shoot, look at Atlanta. When when I ended up coming to Atlanta to that event, 
there's so much talent in Atlanta. There's so many small publishing companies. Mm-hmm. Why is everybody struggling wow. still? That's true. Well, and I think, so, like, a lot of times, you know, if you think about the renaissance of uh, the publishing industry uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when black authors and pens were a commodity, they needed to have them because now they yes. needed to open up that readership. They needed to get involved, mm-hmm. and then the Simon & Schuster's got, got into it, um, and they needed to have these authors. Because these authors were 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 a need, um, and I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. Where I want to say it could be because of you know not knowing how to pivot. Uh, you know, they always talk about a pivot in business, not knowing how to pivot when the times changed. When eBooks came along, not knowing how to pivot. The distributors not knowing how to pivot. The the publishers not knowing how to pivot. And then not understanding the business side of books. Like you said, so many people are publishers now. So many people are doing so many things on the things on the business side and they're not quite sure because now you're bumping around in the dark trying to figure it out. And right. you don't have to. You shouldn't have to bump around in the dark to try and figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's so true. But also, do you? How much do you contribute? People not actually learning the craft, you know, and also the business aspect of it. Because it's not just writing a book. When you write a book, you're 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 stepping into that a different the easy type of part. business. <laughs> the writing the, writing the book, the book exactly. is the easy part. <laughs> That's right. You know, and there's so much work to be done after you, you know, put it out there to be bought. And in development, I think that people get so they forget it's an artistry. They forget that it's a process. Um, And they Mm -hmm. think that, well, I'm just going to write this down and I'm going to give it to the editor and then the editor's going to write it. That's not the editor's job. Their job is not to write your book. Their job is to help you develop your pen. Your job is to write your book. You know, it's not your publisher's job to write your book. If you don't feel like writing it, neither do they. You know what I'm saying? If you don't feel like writing your book, why should somebody else feel like writing your book? It's not their job. Your job is the writer. Write. You know, no matter how long it takes you, but you have to be um, committed to that vision. Mm -hmm. You have to be committed to that process, and you've got to stand in it Ten toes down, no matter what. It might get hard. You might not feel like writing that particular day. Whatever it is, you still got to do it. You know, um, Victoria Christopher Murray always talks about um, her experience when she first started writing. And, you know, she was she did an interview on Teresa uh, B. Howe's show, and she talks about um, how she wrote one word when she first started writing. One word. And then one word turned into two words, and two words mm-hmm. turned into three, and so on and so forth. But she made sure that she was consistent in it. See, I don't listen. I've been writing my book, what, two, three years now? I got two <laughs> books that are sitting there that need to be written. Uh, but I do so many <laughs> other things. But I, uh, I the other you thing to get it together. together. <laughs> <laughs> and the I'm giving you the side eye. So you can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> but we give ourselves excuses. You 
know, when I say I don't have time because I help other people develop and, and, and get their vision and passion and order and together, to me, that's an excuse, you know, because I, I can make time. You know, I can make time to sit down and, and really get into it and mm-hmm. set a goal for myself, you know, and make right. sure. So my goal is to have one done by next year, the end of this year, which will probably be a short. And then, guys, listen, you don't have to have a big old elaborate novel. You can do a short. You can do a novelette. You can do a novella. It does not have to be a whole much, a whole, a whole bunch of stuff. But then I think that was my thing. I was like, oh my god, I don't have time to be writing seventy thousand words. I just don't have that type of time. So I said, it's right. going to be a short. My first book is going to be a short. It's not going to be very mm-hmm. long. It's probably going to be no more than thirty thousand words, if that much. It might just be a uh, twenty-five, but. The first book will come out uh, next year, and then the second book uh, will be a little bit longer, and that will come out in 2022, 2022 for Vision and Books. Mm-hmm. Okay, you said it on air. <laughs> I know, I said it on air. <laughs> <laughs> you heard her, right? She has to be accountable mm-hmm. for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, tell us about this, your latest book. What can we expect from that uh, blood money? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let me tell you about my baby. This is like my rebirth book. Cause <laughs> like baby. I said, I took so much. Yes, yes, because I took so much time with this one. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is my rebirth. This is my coming out after a one-and-a-half-year um, break. But, okay, so the story is about this guy. His name is Omari O. See, yeah, I did. I broke. I broke down his his little nickname in the book. But yeah, his name is Omari. They call him O in the streets. And the story is about him and his journey in the streets. He's one of the main characters, and his girlfriend Nakia is also a main character. So I go back and forth between their points of view. The book starts with O and Nakia getting shot at their home. And when the person oh, comes into view, yes, it, when the person comes into view, because um, what happens is O goes to take the garbage. This is all in the prologue. He goes to take the garbage to the end of the street, to the garbage can, and he hears wrestling in the leaves. And, but he doesn't really think of nothing because even though he's in the street, him and his girl, they, they bought a house in the sur- suburbs. So they keep their business and their personal life totally separate, so only their family and close friends know where, they're, where they live. So he's not really worried. He's going to the garbage. So he hears and he's like, oh, it got to be the neighbor's cat because they have like a million cats. And so he walks back and his girlfriend comes out of the house and she's like, oh, my gosh, I was coming to check on you. I thought, you know, the little place where I thought you were stole, you know, I miss you in the house type deal. He's okay, I'm coming. He hears the wrestling again. And he gets a real eerie feeling. And before he can say anything to her, there's a bullet that whizzes past his um, ear. And it hits her. And it's like slow motion when he watches her drop to, to the ground of the porch. So he runs to her. He gets shot in the process. Adrenaline is pumping. But his focus is to get to her, to get her into the house to safety. He drags her in there. He goes to the living room because that's where he's... He's a street guy, so he has guns 
throughout the house. So he goes there so he can grab his gun and protect him and his girl. By the time he grabs the gun, he catches a boot to the face. And there's a familiar voice that's saying some, you know, pretty foul things to him. And he's just like, he's filled with anger when he realizes who it is. And um, that's how the prologue starts. The prologue starts with the gun going off. And then I'm going back to the beginning of how him and his best friend got into the street because Owen's a very smart guy. He always keeps his circle small. So the whole time throughout the book, I'm planting the seed of, okay, he has a small circle. I know someone that, that's close to him shot him. Who shot him? That's what I want you to think throughout the whole story, you know, that guessing game. Um, and so I just go through the whole everything. And by the time you get to the end, it is so much deceit going on around him is going to blow your mind. Oh, God, that's my kind of story. That sounds <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, what I have it next? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you do right. know here on Let's Chat, we like to do something a little fun. So okay. Tia's going to ask you a fun question. I don't know what she's going to ask you. That's not my department. <laughs> Right, and you know what? Let me let me tell y'all this real quick. So I was kind of ready to cheat because I was like, oh, she's gonna ask me the crayon question. Then when she she asked the other um young lady a different question, I'm like, oh my god, she's gonna ask a whole different question. <laughs> That's right. I was trying to be prepared. I had my answer ready. See, you never know with the ladies of let's chat. Okay. Okay, you ready? I am. Okay. Okay, your fun question is, instead of a box of cereal, if you were a piece of candy, what would you be and why? <laughs> Uh-oh, we <laughs> see that? Listen, we already know she fast, y'all. <laughs> she fast. So, <laughs> all right, I have two answers. I'm going to go with the more safe answer, and I would say Skittles, because oh. taste the rainbow. I'm just a variety. You never know what you're going to get when you pour <laughs> in your hand. That's right. <laughs> you know, so that's my safe answer, but I'm also going to share <laughs> my original thought. And I was going to okay. say M&M's, because melting, you, you know, melting your mouth and not in your hand, but I was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm going to say you know, hey, why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say this because I am just a bubble of fruity fun. How about yeah. chocolate-covered Skittles? Will that work, a combination of both? No, no, no chocolate-covered Skittles. Nobody's going to eat those. Because, right, and not only that, and, okay, yeah, don't be uh putting me off y'all show. And then, you know, the Skittles, when you put a whole bunch in your mouth and it gets all juicy, Nah, oh, I need that. Not the M&M. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I hear you, girl. Yeah, because then you, you, your mouth waters, and then you got all this yes. extra stuff like, oh, goodness. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you making a mess. You see how you got that? You you felt me as soon as I said it. So, yes. So, I'm going to go with this. <laughs> that works. That works. <laughs> now you got everybody thinking about Skittles and M&M. <laughs> That's good. Every time you think about Skittles, you guys, go ahead and check out a Jay Mara book. There we go. That's what I'm I'm already over here downloading Miss 
uh, the blood money. <laughs> oh yes, I, you will not be disappointed. Uh, and like I said, um, I've been getting great, great, great feedback. Um, I just mm-hmm. wish people would do more reviews. Like they, they, they send me messages. I'm like, that's awesome, but leave a review. <laughs> but so far, mm-hmm. all the reviews that I've gotten have been five stars. Every mm-hmm. last one of them so far. So. Yeah, maybe allow them to do it in like a creative way where um, if they want to leave, send you a video review or they want to send you a written review or they want to, and let me think, you know how they have these challenges every time a song comes out or a TikTok challenge or something like oh, that, they can mm-hmm. pick up their favorite scene. You can um, engage your uh, fan base and just say, you know, pick a scene and I want, you know, you want somebody to pick a, a favorite scene out of the book or pick a favorite um, a favorite dialogue out of the book, you know, something slick. What was your favorite slick climate from the book or just something, something that helps people to get mm-hmm. engaged, you know, okay. and, and expand, just expand the horizons on um, the review. You know, so necessarily they do have, you know, reviews, uh, but you want to be able just to give them a variety. You know, you can do a review on my business page. You can send me a video. Um, Plenty of ways for you to review. You know, send me an inbox and Mm -hmm. just let them know. Now, I am going to post your review. I want you to know it will be posted. Dress up as a favorite character and leave a review. I actually just had one. Um, someone asked me today if it would be okay if they did a skit of it, and I was like, absolutely. Mhm. Creativity at its best. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. We so appreciate you coming to kick it with us in the chat room. You know that you are welcome yeah, back yeah. anytime. You don't even have to ask. Yeah. Just let us know what you want to do. Oh, thank you. To make it happen. <laughs> Just let us know. Yes, ma'am. Now we want you to shout out all of your social media and and where anybody, anytime, any place people can get your book. Okay, well, first of all, I want to say thank you, ladies, for having me on. This has been so much fun. Great way oh, to spend my Friday you. evening. Thank you. <laughs> so. Everyone out there, I am on Amazon. Um, my author name is Deus Mara, and it is spelled J period, and then there's a space. As Mara is A S M A R A, and you can see all of my genres of books. If you type that in, it'll pull me up. But I also sell um, signed paperbacks on my personal website, which is author J. Asmara, and I'll spell it, spell it again, A-S-M-A-R-A dot com, and that's author jasmara.com. I am also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I have Snapchat, but I'm not very Snapchat, you know, I'm friendly. I don't, I don't really, so in my life is too boring for that. However, I do have Snapchat, <laughs> but <laughs> I try to keep all of my handles um, easy, so they are all the same, and they are all author J as Mara, and that is A U T H O R J A S M A R A 
do not hesitate to reach out to me. I am just a normal, everyday person, and I love talking to my fans and my potential fans. So, again, thank awesome. you, ladies, for having me on. And please come I'm back so again, girl. You. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm coming back when when that book gets put out. <laughs> that's Wait, right. That's she right. She just put the show out. She just held the show out. She said, "I ain't coming back until yes. her book is done." <laughs> yes, you heard all of that in my throat. I'm gonna need some water. <laughs> that's right. I love it. I am. I'm working on it, y'all. I promise. Okay, you don't threw it promise. in the atmosphere. You don't threw it out there. No take back. Nope, no take-backs. Nope. I already got the cover. No I don't want to waste my money. There we go. There you go. And you know what I what you know what I challenge you to do? I challenge you to put it out on your page because the fans. It is. Keep, it's ooh, on my author when page. I, oh, it is? Oh, let me go stalk it. Uh-huh. Because that's what I did. <laughs> if I tell you how many emails, like I have a best friend, and she's probably going to get on me. Because I've put out, I'm working on a thriller right now, and I've been working on it for a minute. And every time, mm-hmm. every now and then, she gives me time. She let me do blood money. She's like, yo, when are you going to get my my book done? And I'm like, <laughs> But I already put She's it holding out you there. accountable. <laughs> right. So at least the fact that you put it out there, I know that you're going to do it. Because these fans, they are ruthless. She's like, God dang. I got a life. They were like, so write that book. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Writing now. Listen. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's a comedian. It's a comedian that every time, Hank Denson, every time he sees me on his live, he's like, Miss Sadler, where's my book? I've been waiting for my book. Where's my book at? <laughs> yeah. I got those too. I'm like, dang. I remember. I'm going to make y'all laugh before I leave. <laughs> So when I was doing my um, When It Rains trilogy, when I first started writing, the first two books, I knocked them out. I got two books mm-hmm. done in a three-month period. I was on it. I didn't mm-hmm. even think about it. I jumped off the cliff, and I just put it out. I didn't even think about it. It wasn't until I put out the second book that I was like, oh, my God, I just put out a book. What am I doing? My friend was like, are you really doing this right now? You just finished two books? Stop being stupid. I'm like, okay, I'm trying. But I could not finish the third book. I could not. Uh-huh. I put so much pressure on myself because I was like, okay, book one was good. Book two was even better. So book three has to be the best. And I put so much pressure in. i never forget one of my friends, her husband called me. And he told me, <laughs> he said, if you value our friendship, you will hurry up and put that book. Oh, <laughs> Brother Brother man wasn't playing. He didn't. He wasn't playing. And you know, and I was like, he was like, he he hell. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm writing now. But he told me that. No lie. He was like, if you value our friendship, you will finish Uh this book. I said, okay, say no more. Because I valued the friendship. Mm -hmm. I valued it, so I had to get it done. And he was like, oh, he's like, okay, thank you. I'm like, oh. <laughs> now carry on. <laughs> right. That's a good and and I'm, I'm telling you, the conversation legit went like that. It was like, hello, hey, what you doing? Nothing. Okay, check this out. If you value, I'm like, oh. <laughs> that nothing means that fire. I'm to go right. Yes. But like I said, but you need that sometimes because 
we get so caught up in our day-to-day that we forget that we have this gift and it's not fair for us as, as authors or just just artists, period, not just in the writing genre. It's not fair for us to be keeping that gift away from the people that deserve it. Um, it and makes me feel good. It. Like, right, I had one lady with the blood money. Um, she's a soldier. She's mobilized at uh, in Texas at Fort Bliss. One of my other friends bought her the book. She sent me a message, and she was like, oh, my God, I have not been able to sit down and read in years. She said, I actually sat down, started it, and could not put it down, and you have motivated me to read again. I was like, wow, thank you. Mm. She was like, because, again, we get so caught up in the day-to-day. You're like, oh, I don't have time to do that. But you do have time. That time that you sit there Mm -hmm. and you're scrolling on your on your phone watching YouTube videos, that's time that you could be reading. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate when people say, I don't read. And I want to say, mm-hmm. maybe you should. But I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I right. let them be great. But, you know, and it's, it's not that they, they don't read, because I used to be one of those. Yeah, it was that it was never a pen that grabbed me. I didn't start. I started reading or getting into books late. I it, I was actually working in a call center, and you know, in a call center, you got downtime, and there was these books being passed around. The first three authors I've ever read was Carl Weber, um, Wahida Clark, and Ashley um, Antoinette. I read Moss to a Flame. I read the last. I read books um, six in the Thug series. So I said thug series backwards um, because, you know, in the call center, you got to wait for the book to come back around. So you might be reading one and then got the other one. So I was read, I read it backwards. I read that series backwards. And then Carl Weber had a book. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was, you know, his uh, Christian fiction um, book that he had written and those are the first three authors I've ever read and that's what got me stuck on reading uh, Street Lit is because I love Wahida and Ashley Antoinette's pen and those books drew me in and I really didn't get into Christian fiction until until Victoria Christopher Murray I love her pen but it's the pen that has to grab you but when I was growing up I loved Judy Bloom. I loved the, the the fudge series you know so there were books that grabbed me but as I got older you know there weren't as many pens that you know consistently grabbed me where I can consistently just kind of live in a different world and just be drawn into it Okay, now we're going to expect that book. <laughs> you, say, you say all of that to say. That's nice. Write that book. Okay, I that's nice. What? <laughs> I love it. That's a really nice story. <laughs> well, listen, I've been waiting for this snack that Tony promised me like three, four years ago. So let, don't let Tony fool y'all. Tony could write. Wow. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. She was like, Yeah, I can write, but I never said I was going to write. She's talking about a snack. Don't put me in your madness leash. 
Good weekend. Good night.